Welcome to the podcast, Eye for Talent, the show where we've got an eye for talent. I'm your host, Dylan, aka DJ Serial Sauce. I'm a YouTube content creator, Twitch streamer, producer, um, part-time voice actor, soon to be potentially, um, and like a couple of other things. There's a bunch of links that you can see. It's not really the most important thing. Uh, and joining me is Kevin Palmieri, which, as I mentioned before, the extra I in his name made me think it was Palmieri, and I am dumb. Uh, he is the founder, the CFO, and also the host of Next Level University, which, from what I could read into and also based off of what you said at the top of your page, um, is like one of the top 100 podcasts in the world listened to in over 150 countries. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so it's interesting because it, that just means, I'm going to be very honest, right? I'm going to be very <laughs> honest because I pride myself on that. That just <laughs> means at one time or another, we were in the top 100. It doesn't mean we are right now. It doesn't mean we are forever. It's kind of like when you win a Grammy, it doesn't mean you're still a good artist. It just means you won that <laughs> time. So yes, at one point we were the top, and again, we are right now in some countries. I just don't know which off the top of my head, but we sure. were the top 100 in self-improvement in the U.S. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th thank you for the clarification, but also I think the simple fact that it was ever top 100 in the world is certainly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something to behold. Because, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Because, yeah, I have absolutely no idea how you can even track how many podcasts exist in the world. <laughs> So th there's a bunch of places you can. The interesting thing, I think there's like 3.5 million that have been created, but there's only like 250,000 that are actually in production, which just oh, like is- Oh, consistent production. Yeah, which is just, it shows, I mean, think of it this way. How many people, how many artists are there that make music versus how many artists are there that actually make money? It's a drastically different number. So the podcast yeah. industry is, is kind of like that, honestly. Yeah. In my estimation, it seems like, especially after uh, 2020 had began and everything that happened there happened there, there's probably been like a huge spike in podcasts. So it feels like it might be a little oversaturated. So that even further cements like how impressive that, that number is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's again, it's my, it's my full-time job at this point to do it. And we have a business around it. So I understand that most people, most people shouldn't do an episode every day and they're not going to get to where we have, but it's just reverse engineered on the goals that we have. So we're doing what it takes. Yeah, and evidently seems to be working. So um, far, so good. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, if anybody else was curious, he has a bunch of other things that he does. He's a podcast coach, consultant, trainer, and just like a good speaker in general. So that's I that's always that. a fun time. <laughs> I do a little, I didn't know you were a producer. I do a little rapping as well. So we can throw that in there. I do, you know, uh, very, very, very amateur rapper as well. Fair enough. Yeah. L let me go back and doctor the footage to just say, also, he's a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that in my notes just because I think it's funny. So no, but, I, I mean, I that's impressive. It. Yeah, um, I try. I, I, I'm not the best, but you know, I, I like, I have the setup. I know how to do the editing. So I might as well give it a shot. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. And I mean, anybody who's confident enough in themselves to be able to do it is impressive enough in my eyes, even if I might be able to make a joke at their expense about them not being that good at it. The fact <laughs> that they even do it, I'm like, you know what? Good for you, man. Um, <laughs> one of the, I'll give you this. One of the lines, one of the first lines to one of my songs is, uh, I'm the type of dude to ask Jap, uh, Jack the Ripper to snap a picture twice because the first didn't suffice. I think my camera's glitching. Make no mistake, this was the plan. It was envisioned. Always knew I'd make it here a broken man a dozen misses. That's the the first two lines of it. Yeah, okay. I am absolutely in no, in no way capable of speaking on the legitimacy of... Um the that part of the rap because I don't do that, but I mean, <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's a good time. Um. 
And I suppose one last little thing I can touch on is like, uh, you also have a lot of uh, uh, incredible tattoos. I'm very jealous. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that very much. They suck when you're getting them. I'll tell you, it's really good when you have them for a long period of time. But when you are sitting through them, you are questioning, at least I was, I was questioning, what have I done? Why have I agreed to this? And how do I make this hurt less than it does? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I definitely don't have enough on me where I've had that pain point happen yet. I've just gotten one that's like close to my collarbone, one that's on my shoulder bone and one that goes down the, uh, I guess like what I would classify as like the outside of the arm, the okay. bone that would connect to your elbow. Okay. Uh, and that wasn't too great, but it's yeah, never been no. enough where I've been like, this sucks. How can I make this stop? I'm just like, I, I have to sit through it. I paid for this. I can't, <laughs> I can't stop now. Well, trust me. I, I had to sit through it cause I paid for it as well, but there were times it goes, so it goes down to my wrist and like on the forearm part, it's just, ah, it's such a sensitive area. It was absolutely brutal. And there's a lot of shading there. Oh my goodness. Oof. Yeah. Also supposedly like, D does color ink hurt more than regular? Cause I have exactly four little tiny spots of color on my tattoos where there's like runic symbols on here, mm -hmm. but supposedly like color hurts more than black and white. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I know they use like the line needle is different than the, like the fill in needle. So I don't, I don't know. I always, the interesting thing about tattoos is the actual needle for me doesn't hurt a ton it's when they go over the same spot and then when they rub it with a dry cloth it's like can you yeah. moisten that thing just a little just a touch <laughs> just a little i'm not asking for much it's like tearing my skin off yeah that's yeah that's that's one of the we can agree on that heavily where i'm like it's not the needle itself that hurts it's when they go over the same spot a thousand times and i'm just like this this is killing me dude i you please <laughs> yeah but we we continue to get them my next one i want to get one on my hand of my cats i have two cats so i think oh that's cute if you're going to be the ultimate cat dad you got to have a hand tattoo and i think that's the the next step for me i am terrified i will tell you but we'll see what happens <laughs> i will report with results oh fair enough yeah i'll be excited to hear what you hear about that <laughs> Um, we probably probably should try and get into what's going on here a little Let's bit. Let's do so it and get you know just get it going. So I, I've I've personally read your story. You've described it on both the website that I used to find that we used to find each other, I guess, as well as uh, on the actual website and your kind of descriptor, LinkedIn profile, and whatever. So I've read that whole thing, but obviously a lot of other people haven't. They may have heard of the podcast, but maybe not you specifically. So mm. kind of just tell people at home your story of how you got here in the first place. Yeah. So I was uh, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. We were definitely lower middle class. We had conversations fairly regularly about how we were going to pay rent. So that was my early life where a lot of my, I would say, desire for success and discipline and necessity came from, right? That was, that was early in life. So I, I had a lot of lessons early in life about that. The interesting thing for me and where things really started to kind of pivot, in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I didn't want to go to college. I It just didn't make sense to me to put myself in a ton of debt to learn something that I didn't really want to learn to get a job that I probably didn't want. So I was doing two things. One, I was training martial arts because I wanted to fight professionally. That was one of my my goals at the time. And I was pumping gas at the local gas station. That was my first real big boy job and I was working full time there. So all of my friends were out partying at college and living the dream and meeting people. And I was getting up at six o'clock in the morning and going down and pumping gas till two. I'd go lift weights after that. 
And then after that, I'd get dinner and then I'd, I'd drive a half hour and go train martial arts. And that was my life for a couple of years. And I mean, yeah, the job wasn't great and there was a lot of stuff I dealt with there, but it was a very, looking back, it was a very fun time in life because I was just kind of working out a lot. I was practicing martial arts. I felt like I was making progress towards goals. So that was a, a very interesting time in, in uh, reflection. But from there, I job hopped. I worked a lot of different jobs, personal trainer, truck driver, forklift operator. I went through the fire academy to be an on-call firefighter. I was in construction. Uh, I'm sure there was a couple other things, but <laughs> I eventually got this job in an industry called weatherization. So weatherization is an industry where you go into buildings and it's your job to make the building more energy efficient. So if you're working in a home, you're working in the attics, you're working on the windows, you're working on the doors, stuff like that. I was working on larger buildings, like state-owned buildings, government-owned buildings, so schools, police stations, fire stations, town halls, stuff like that. Since I was working on government contracts or state contracts, I was getting paid anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour, which for Ooh. me, right, I, no college degree, I never thought I was going to make that kind of money. So <laughs> when I got that job, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this forever and I'm going to be successful. Awesome. So if you looked at me when I was 25, I had a sports car. I had just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life. My girlfriend was a model. Uh, high paying job, new apartment, all of the external measures of success. But internally, I was very, very, very uncertain. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was insecure. I just was not, my external results were not a good representation of what my internal state was. Yeah. And my girlfriend ended up leaving me as she should have. I just, I was not a very supportive partner because it was hard enough for me to support myself. And that was a, a wake up call for me, but I convinced myself that if I went and made a boatload of money, I would have far less problems. And there is a song called more money, more problems. And believe it <laughs> or not, it might be seated in some truth. So the, the next year I grinded my face off and I spent 10 months on the road because most of our contracts were out of state. So I spent 10 months living in hotels, only being home you know, Friday night, Saturday night, leaving on Sunday, taking my lawn, uh, taking my suitcase, pouring it into the washer, taking it out of the washer, putting it into the dryer, and then right back into my suitcase. That was pretty much my life for the entire year. But we got to the end of the year and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. And I remember opening my last pay stub of the year and feeling like everything was going to shift inside of me. Like this, seeing this money is going to change everything. I'm going to be more confident. I'll be more secure. You know, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to, I'm just going to feel better about me. And that just was not the case. It was not the case at all. So I realized in that moment that for most of my life, and especially that year, I had been living very unconsciously. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just kind of showing up and hoping for the best. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. And I'm going to have deep talks about deep stuff with deep people. That's what I want to do. So I start a podcast. I fall in love with podcasting. As I am falling out of love with my job, I know achieving that level of quote unquote success in the way that I did it is not what I want to do. 
I've already reached the top of the mountain. I don't want to do it again. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job site early, showing up late. I am just not a good employee anymore. And I was at the beginning. I was a very good employee. And it just kept getting worse and worse because I knew my mental health was taking a turn and my physical health was taking a turn. And I was just miserable and unfulfilled and tired all the time. So it all kind of came to a head when I was in a hotel room in New Jersey, six hours away from where I lived at the time. My alarm clock went off at 5.15 or 5.30. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots. And that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one was on a different station. And one is saying, you're stuck at this job forever. I know you want to leave, but you're not the type of person who gets this opportunity. Never mind, leaves it behind. If you do work up the courage to leave, what will your friends think? You make a lot of money. They all look up to that. What will your family think? You make more money than anybody in your family. And what are you going to do? If you do leave this job, what are we going to do with our life? Right? Like, you don't really have any other plan Bs. This, this podcast thing is not really feasible. What are you going to do? In that moment, I thought to myself, if I take my life, I will take my problems with me. And that is where I was at that time. That's that's really the only answer I had. I was just depressed and and anxious and just really, really struggling. Now, I'm very blessed because I have very supportive people around me. I reached out to a friend who is now my business partner, Alan, and I explained to him what was going on. I said, hey, brother, I'm having these feelings, these thoughts, these, these emotions. I don't know what to do. Like, what, what is going on here? And he said many things, but one of the things I remember was, Kev, over the last couple years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then beginning the journey of being a very broke podcaster, a very broke entrepreneur trying to figure this out. And that was six years ago at this point. So I have been a full-time podcaster, entrepreneur, business owner for the last six years. And now I, we do an episode every day and I'm a full-time podcaster. And yeah, now I get to do this for a living, which is wild to me. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's kind of insane on one hand, because it's like people who are, who are going to hear about this are going to kind of be at shock and awe with the sheer fact of like, look at all the things that you were accomplishing and then how quickly it all turned around mm -hmm. and then how quickly it all turned around again after it was at its worst. Um, the thing that I'm, <laughs> the thing that I'm kind of fascinated about is the fact that you went through so many jobs <laughs> just because like, like, obviously, I guess I kind of should be, well, I guess to say that I should be expecting is kind of offensive because that assumes that everybody I talk to job hops a lot. But mm -hmm. it's like the, the last week's episode that I did with um, a good gentleman named Tony, he is also gone through just a ton of jobs and it's given him like a ton of life experience and things. But he's also like 34 or something. Mm -hmm you know, coming close to on to that. So I'm just like hearing you go through the, the giant list of the different jobs that you had been through. I was like, it's like, dang, what was like, it, it's almost fascinating to try and examine even internally within yourself. Like what state of mind did you have when you were like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do this thing. And then after I'm done with that, I'm going to go and switch over to being this being a, like going to like, I think you said like the school for being like a firefighter and all that stuff. Mm. I'm like, I'm like, what goes through people's heads when they just decide to do these yeah. kinds of things. It's wild. I, th I think it's necessity. Really, it's, it's, I worked at the gas station and here's the interesting thing. I felt 
bad about myself very often because my the kids I went to high school with would would come in or like the girls I would have crushes on would come in and I always felt less than. And I'm not saying that's a if you're, you know, if you do that for a job, you're less than. I was just treated less than. Yeah. I was not treated well by people that came in. So that ended up getting old and here's so here's the thing. When you do that for a couple of years, you start to get you start to get a little bit more awareness of, oh, okay, I'm not going to do this forever. Right? Yeah. Like this this probably isn't my forever thing. Okay, if I could do something forever, what would it be? That for me was personal training. I was like, ah, I, I'm into fitness. I love to coach people and train people. All right, cool. Let me do that. Then when you get that job, you realize it's not that great and it's more about sales than anything else. So it's almost like every time you think something is something, then you get the opportunity to experience it. You find out there's a lot of other somethings within it. And sometimes those somethings aren't what you want. So honestly, that's really what my job hopping experience was. It was, I was always attracted to the shiny parts of the job. And then I was very quickly repelled by the not so shiny parts that I didn't know existed. And then it was like, okay, well, this isn't it. Like, what do I really want to do? And eventually it was like, I want to go to the fire academy. That would be really cool. Right. And then, then you learn at the end of that, that getting a job as a firefighter is just such a a challenging thing based on how many people want to do it and the benefits and all that. It's like, Oh, I don't know if this is realistic. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, but what I'll say is one of the things that I've always kind of had is when I don't like something and I know it's not serving me, I just move on to the next thing, regardless of if I have anything else lined up. So a lot of those jobs, I didn't even have another job lined up. It was just, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm miserable. This isn't good for my mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health. I'm going to go figure something else out. I can't tell you where that comes from. I don't know where that comes <laughs> from, but it it has served me well as an entrepreneur because, you know, now I know what to do every day and it makes life a little bit easier, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense. And I suppose that's kind of like the ultimate. It's just like, if, if a job is not serving you anymore, like, I think that's kind of like a generational thing that's changing where it's like, mm. if a job does not serve you in the way that you want it to anymore, it's probably in your best interest to leave because on one hand you need money to survive. On the other hand, you spend a third of your life working. So why are you going to work at a place that doesn't serve you in the way that you want? So yeah. like it, it makes sense. Yeah. I remember I was watching, um, early in my journey when I was not, I was trying to figure out who I was and I was, I was consuming different content and I was a big fan of Joe Rogan. And one of the podcasts he had was with one of his friends, Duncan Trussell. And they said, imagine if, an alien popped down into your front lawn, knocked on your door, walked in your house in the morning when you're getting ready for work. And they said, Hey, where are you going? And you said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to the office. And they said, Oh, you, you, the office is good. You like the office? And you're like, no, 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 no. I hate the office. I just, I have to do it. And then you get into a vehicle that you can't afford leaving the home that you can't afford to go to the place that it allows you to afford the things, but the, the place you actually hate. Like how, how much of a, paradigm shifter would that be if you were just exposed to that thought process without being raised in it? I just wonder, you know, just because something is normal does not mean it is optimal. And yeah. I think, right. And now more than ever, like with the remote job opportunities and the freelance job opportunities, I do think people are really starting to be empowered to chase their passion more than what they're quote unquote supposed to be doing. So I think the future of that is very, very bright, but I also understand, you know, 
the, the, the past generations, when the internet's not around, it's really hard to design a life that you enjoy because you only have the opportunities of what's in physical reach of you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see how that, how that all kind of, just how it all breaks down, I guess. And just uh, once again, like you said, the paradigm shift and also just a generational shift in people's priorities for working their jobs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so then we kind of look at where, where that kind of thought process has taken you, which is like you said, doing, doing, being a full-time podcaster for the last couple of years, um, doing it every single day. I'm kind of curious. I, I don't know like a ton about either one of these because I wanted to come in and, and give you a lot of things to talk about to kind of sell people on this stuff. Um, but what are the primary, what is like the, some of the biggest primary differences between the course that you offer and the podcast that you host? And like, you know, what reasons would people have to choose one over the other? based on the benefits they give them. Yeah, I mean, the the simplest thing is the way our content is set up is the stuff that is the most accessible can help the most people. So anybody who is into self-improvement or they want to get better, they want to understand money at a deeper level, they want to understand themselves, more successful relationship, whatever it may be, the podcast is always going to be a good thing because it's free, it's there every single day, and it doesn't require a ton of commitment. The course you're talking about is a, is a free course, but it's one of those things where like you have to have a little bit more intention behind what you're looking for and you have to be a little bit more committed to the results. It's almost like um, a lot of people will watch a commercial, but not everybody will call the number at the end of it. It's just somebody who is more, right? That's kind of how I think of it. Like, yeah, I, I'll see a commercial for a BMW and it's like, yeah, it's a great commercial. I don't know how many people actually call and test drive after that. I don't know what the numbers are, but that's the way their business is set up where anybody can watch the commercial or anybody can watch, you know, Breaking Bad or anybody can watch the movie, the, the Marvel's uh, Marvel movies, Avengers and all that. But below that, there is some sort of thing where, you know, maybe you sign up to the fan club or you sign up to the Facebook group, whatever it is. So it's just a level of how committed are you to your growth? And then what are you? what are you looking for? Are you just looking for a podcast? Cool. Awesome. Are you looking for a course that's going to teach you more about yourself? Awesome. After the course, are you looking for coaching? Awesome. Right. It's the ultimate goal is people can end up where they want to and where they should based on their personal development set point, their goals and their financial capabilities. Because one of the reasons we do an episode every day is because if if you can learn a little bit every day, you're going to be better off in the future. But not everybody can afford to go to school or whatever it is. So we can do an episode every day for free. We're going to do it that way. So yeah, it's it's really that thought process of the podcast is for anybody who wants to get a little bit better. The better you want to get, the deeper you ultimately end up going in the business. Yeah, that makes sense. And and in general, it's kind of just like a podcast to course pipeline. They listen to it and they think, oh, they have a course. Maybe I want to try and actually take more action on how to fix myself. So rather than just listen to that podcast, let me go find the link and access the course and kind of intake both mediums at that point. Yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It's just a, yeah. it's a thought process of whatever you talk about because if so, one of the things people ask often is like, well, how do you make money with a podcast? And you just treat your podcast like any business. So whatever you're talking about at the on the podcast, if you can add a more specific level of value to that um, through like coaching or something, you can make money that way. So f- for you, it could be 
production or content creation or whatever it is, that's just the way it's set up. So you would have a course on, you know, how to mix and master. Cool. Awesome. There's your free course. And then you can do, okay, I charge a hundred dollars an hour to produce. Cool. You're off to the races and now you're monetized. Yeah. And you use the podcast as a means of just almost as if like you're de facto advertising of sorts. Yep. Yeah. It's value driven, value driven. I'll say value driven marketing and really good audience and community building is is really one of the benefits. Yeah. Yeah, that that all makes sense. Um, this this next question that I have, I kind of so at 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 the the beginning of the last question I asked you, you were saying like you give just general advice that is just helpful in general. You can just bring a lot of people in because a lot of people are interested in helping themselves. So if there's a podcast that is easily accessible to them, that's how you can potentially draw on a lot of people because while it's not really a niche, it is a thing that a ton of people are really into. So that's potentially how you can get a decent amount of traction going. Mm -hmm. But from your perspective, what do you think are kind of like the top three things that have accelerated your success? I'm obviously not asking for like, what are some trade secrets? Because frankly, I'm going to do my own thing. Um, (laughs) Just like, you know, in your personal opinion, what do you think has increased the traction of your podcast the most? Uh, number one is we, we really, really, really know our audience. Well, not just like, you know, it's a, it's a 25 to 50 year old person. Like in the very beginning, I would literally just give out my phone number and I would FaceTime with our listeners. Oh, and damn, it was, okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, there was no coaching. Like it wasn't for money. I didn't, I wasn't even coaching anybody. It was just, oh, you listen to the podcast? All right, cool. What are your thoughts on hopping on a 15 or 30 minute FaceTime? I just want to get to know you. I just want to learn yeah. about your experience as a human and what you've gone through. That was one of the best things we ever did just because it gave us a lot of data on the listeners. That's one. The second one is we don't miss. That's a big <laughs> thing. Like, you know, <laughs> Again, I don't expect anybody to do the amount of episodes that we do, but even the clients I have that don't miss are always going to be more successful than the ones that do. So it's just that consistency. It's very hard to beat somebody who just does it longer and more consistently than you. Yeah. And and then I would say the third thing is we've been treating it like a business since the very beginning. So right now we have a 17-person team. And even in the beginning, like a couple of years in, we had people who we would coach and they would help us. So we would just coach them for free and they would help us. So yeah, we've been treating it like a business for a long time. And that's really served us because it's not just a podcast, right? Obviously I have to improve my speaking and my backdrop has to be good. My audio quality and my video quality, all that. But what you do before the podcast and what you do after the podcast are just as important as the actual episode. And that's something we've been really trying to to figure out and master for the last six years. So I would say those are probably the big three. Huh? Okay. Honestly, I I don't really know what I was expecting because uh, in my estimation, uh, everybody that I've interviewed so far, probably barring you and Tony from last week. um, None of these people have like, successful podcast they have successful content in their own aspects youtube um like twitch voice acting things like that mm. but obviously a lot of those people don't do podcasts so i don't really know what i was expecting when it came to <laughs> an answer for that but i think that's very like um if I had to spend 10 minutes with myself to think about what would potentially increase like what would drive the primary success of any given podcast um Especially that first one is not one that I would have expected. <laughs> most people like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't. The, the, the truth is it's hard and it sucks. That's why yeah. most people won't, most people won't do it. We call it scaling the unscalable. 
you know, it's, I've been screwing this up so often recently. I, I need to get better at this. But for a long time, anybody who followed me on social media, I would send them a custom video. Hey, Dylan, thanks so much for the follow. I appreciate it, my friend. You know, congrats on the new house or whatever, whatever is actually happening. If there's yeah. ever anything I can do, just please reach out. And people were blown away that, that I would take the time to do that. But I want to form a real relationship. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want you to just follow me. I don't want you to be a follower. I want you to be a family member. That's what we're trying to create. So, but I also understand that for a lot of people, they think that's a waste of time. I probably would too if I didn't understand the importance of real authentic relationship building. So it's interesting how some of the most valuable things you can do are usually the most challenging and sometimes the ones that have the most resistance. It's it's interesting how it's set up that way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the the thing that a lot of people say where it's like um the hardest things are the ones that are the most worth doing or something mm -hmm. to that caliber. Yeah. So it's true. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But it's, it's, it's that. <laughs> Because if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, the hell, you think I have all this time to be FaceTiming <laughs> people left and right? It wouldn't even be like a, that sounds dumb and like a waste of my time, but I'd be like, you think I have the time to do that? But I mean, evidently you made it work. <laughs> in the Well, full disclosure, in the beginning, I was a lot less busy than I am now. So yeah, I couldn't, enough. I couldn't use time as an excuse back then because early in business, there's not a lot going on. You're, you're building it and you're, you're trying to figure stuff out. But now, yeah. now it would be really hard for me to do that just based on just based on the schedule and everything we do. But still, that's the interesting thing. Whoever, who's your favorite artist, Dylan? Like musical uh, artist. Musical artist. Okay, let me think. You ever heard of Dave Matthews Band? Of course. Oh, all right. Fair. You know, actually, oh, sorry, it's side tangent. I, yeah, I guess please. I should have expected that because I, uh, I was looking at their Spotify numbers because my parents got me into it when I was like, I don't know, in the single digits of age. Mm. Um, and I was looking at their Spotify stuff and I was like, dang, they have 2.8 million followers. I didn't know they were like huge like that. So I, I should have expected that, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I'm very big. <laughs> okay. Imagine if is the lead, is his name, Dave is the lead singer. Is his name yeah. Dave Matthews? Imagine yeah. if he sent you a video on Instagram and said, Hey Dylan, I saw that you shared one of our songs recently. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you being, you know, such a loyal Dave Matthews band lover. You would never, ever, ever look at that band the same, ever. Yeah. That. It's, so it's this interesting thing where if you, can, if you can practice that habit for long enough, eventually, if you're capable of doing it when you're at that level of success, it actually is more valuable. I saw Gary Vee did a video of this recently where he talked about Taylor Swift. If you tag Taylor Swift in something and say, hey, Taylor, come sing at my wedding, she does it sometimes. Now she's not going to do it every time, obviously. But <laughs> it's the principle. You would, it's the principle, right? You might say, "Why would she do that when she could go play a concert for five hundred thousand dollars?" Because it's very, very rare, and it gets a lot of attention, and it probably makes her more money in the long run than that five hundred thousand dollar concert. It's just yeah. that that idea of sometimes you have to scale the unscalable because it'll create opportunities for you down the road that you just don't see yet. Exactly. And as you mentioned, she probably also has the ability to just do both anyways. That's true. Yeah. When you're at her level, you can kind of do whatever you want. So, but <laughs> like you said, the, the fundamental belief and thought behind it is hopefully somewhat sound. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I figure like, especially if you're able to kind of build that traction when you do have all the free time, then you've built, the, then it kind of, it almost like scales by itself, I guess, mm. because you just, you just like, um, what's the word? Like you kind of exponentially increase 
just like the connection that you have with people from being able to do that while creating good content that they consume on a regular basis. Yeah. You're creating demand really is, is the biggest problem for, for most of us is there's no, there's just not enough demand. You can drop a song and if four people like it, that's awesome. That's four pieces of demand, but you don't get paid until the demand is high enough where the supply is down. So yeah, it, it pretty much that in a nutshell, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Um, I guess kind of, you know, actually I'm, I'm going to flip these questions around. Um, what opportunities do you think, not even do you think, sorry, what opportunities have you gotten in general that you, that have come as a result of just your general successes in like entrepreneurship? Oh man. Uh, we just booked a speech in Pennsylvania. No. Yeah. Pennsylvania. I think it's in Pennsylvania. It's a $5,000 speech. So like, I never thought I would make money as a speaker. Like that's super <laughs> weird. That's strange. Um, we've been invited to events. So we went to an event in California early on for free. So we got free tickets to a Brenda Burchard event, which was nice. We've been able to like interview some really cool people in some really nice places. One of our guests lives in Malibu on the ocean and she like invited us into her home and we set up all our stuff. We, we interviewed another gentleman at his mansion in California, like in his movie theater, which was just very weird and very surreal. <laughs> you know, we're able to host our own events now, which is something I never really expected. So it's mostly the opportunity. A lot of the opportunities we've had are to meet people that we just wouldn't have access to. Yeah. Right. It, it's when you have a podcast, it's weird because you and I may have never connected. Most likely we may, we would have not connected, but you have a podcast. I have a podcast. I like doing interviews. You like interviewing people. Cool. It's a, it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> so it creates a lot of opportunities to meet people that you never would. And honestly, for me, it's like, it's all of this. The, the podcast has created all of the opportunities. Think of it this way. The one of the reasons people work with me as a podcast coach is based on the fact that I have a level of success that they desire. So the podcast yeah. has created that opportunity for me. Now, obviously, we created the podcast, but it's because of the podcast that I'm even capable of doing any of the things I do. Really, it's the clients, the fact that I can at times speak eloquently and make sense. Like all of that is through the the podcast. So every opportunity I have today realistically is from it which is wild to think of yeah it is pretty impressive because like a, i had this interesting discussion with my friend the other day where um like i don't know how this keeps happening but i guess it's because of kind of like the um ultra the quote-unquote altruistic nature of this whole podcast anyways mm. that like people of all walks of life uh are just like down to come on here because if i can fully admit to you just to you know be one-on-one -on -one about this this podcast is like not this podcast is not successful enough where I would have assumed that I could get somebody like you on here. And like, <laughs> I I've talked to people who have like, um, like there's a guy I talked to a few weeks ago. He has a Twitch channel that used to have like 55,000 followers, uh, a YouTube channel with 55,000 subscribers. And now he works for a gaming magazine journal that has like 1.2 million. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like this podcast, like I I'm, I'm proud of the work that I do, but the, this podcast is not big enough where I would have expected that to happen. Mm. Um, and a lot of the reason for that, I think is because podcasting is not a niche thing because everybody does it, but I feel like it's one of those things where, um, 
if you're not necessarily talking to somebody who already has their own niche in podcasting, you probably aren't going to get a lot of people from their walk of life that consume their content that are going to come and listen to it because that's not traditionally the value that it provides to them. Yeah. But that might just be my kind of messed up mindset on it because of my experiences with it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's, I think it's accurate. I it's, it's just the thing of, okay, if, one of the best things in the world, like say you wanted to get ahead of, you wanted to get ahead in the music production industry, start a podcast about music and songs and albums and instruments and whatever. And you just start interviewing artists, purely artists. You don't interview anybody else. Guess what's going to happen? You're eventually going to connect with somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who is one of the producers you look up to. It'll happen eventually. Yeah. But I, I can I tell you when and how it'll go? Definitely not, <laughs> you know. But it it really is. It's it just creates opportunities that you would never have. The in see this is the interesting thing. The opportunities that cr- it creates also are based on your long term goals. So for me, I don't care how many listens you have. I don't care if it's just me and you talking. And nobody listens. It's a it's a good practice for me to to tell my story. It's a good practice for me to try to say something in a different way, or it's a good practice for me to try to impact more people. It really depends on what the ultimate goal is. Now, if somebody is looking to sell books, they will ask you how many listens you have, and you'll say whatever, and they'll say, you know what, that's probably not worth me coming on, so reach out when you have X amount of downloads. You know, we definitely got that early on, and and then you just start to see like what you know, what are the reasons behind people doing things the way they do? Right. Yeah. For me, I'm not, I'm not here to make money. I don't really care about that. We have business parts that, you know, that's more focused on. I want to impact people and I hope somebody hears something today that they need to hear. That's really the ultimate goal. Yeah, exactly. And that makes sense. And like, um, you, you can basically achieve any degree of success from the smallest things to the biggest things every time you do something like this. Like, even if this ends up actually going nowhere, it's like, one, I got to just have a good time talking to somebody who's entertaining to talk to. Um, but secondly, it also just like every every episode that you do, you just enhance your ability to speak just a little bit. Like yeah. there's always at least a tiny bit of success that comes from something. And like you said at the beginning, any little bit of success when compounded every single day is going to make a big difference down the road. So I, I get that. I love the fact that you talk about compounding so much. <laughs> I do. I really do. It's 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 such an important understanding. It's just, it really is. It's one of my favorite quotes is from, from day to day progress is invisible from year to year. It's, it's impossible to miss. You know, I did, uh, four podcasts yesterday, five podcasts. I'm no better today, at least not, (laughs) not measurably. I couldn't tell you like yesterday I was a 7.1 today. I'm a 7.2. I don't think it works that way. But if I go back (laughs) and, and look at last year, this time last year, that's 365 of our own episodes plus, I don't know, maybe another 400 other shows. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. And I can notice a drastic difference in my ability to pause or my ability to say something in a certain way. It's just contrast is one of the most important things in the world. The problem for many of us, myself included, definitely early on is most of us can only reflect and see progress. We can't we cannot expand progress into the future to understand what it actually looks like. Progress and contrast. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> um, these these next couple of questions that I have here are actually kind of they're, they're mainly surrounding, I guess, your philosophy on different aspects of what helps people become a better version of themselves. OK, I mean. so um, the, the first one is just like what honestly, what do you think are like the top three things that kind of hold people back from either being able to better themselves or from or what holds them back from being able to conceptualize the idea of bettering themselves? My goodness. Uh, self-belief, self-worth, and the circle they surround themselves with. Uh, those are based on all the studying we've done and all the coaching. Most people have an inaccurate understanding of their self-belief. So when I say inaccurate, I'm not saying they have low self-belief or high self-belief. It's just not where it should be. Yeah. And I think that's just a product of being a human being because it's very hard to understand yourself to that le that level. So if you do not believe you can accomplish something, you won't try. And therefore, you'll never get the result unless it's by accident. If you believe you're, you're capable of doing anything, oftentimes you don't try anything because you think you could just do it and then you don't get any results. So that's high self-belief and maybe low self-belief. Self-worth, low self-worth, you don't think you deserve success. High self-worth, you think you deserve it without having to work for it potentially. That's a dangerous place to live, right? That's yeah. not gonna breed success necessarily. And then success is hard enough getting to the next level of your life, leveling up, whatever, whatever we wanna define it as becoming the best version of yourself, that's really hard if you're surrounded by people who are afraid of you becoming the best version of yourself and unconsciously holding you back or consciously holding you back and making fun of you for investing in your growth and, oh, you're going to meditate now and, oh, you're reading books now. It's really hard to succeed in anything when the people around you are the biggest resistance. So I would say self-belief, self-worth, and the community of people you surround yourself with. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. That makes sense. It's especially the thing of like, you spend the most amount of time with yourself and you spend the most amount of time with the people that you surround yourself with. So, yeah. you know, any, any amount of um, shenanigans that end up interfering with that, um, or I guess any shenanigans that get put on those things that interfere with your ability to do that is obviously going to breed not so good results for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's simpler in the beginning because you don't have to work on as many things, right? It's like, I don't know if I have a good analogy for it. In the beginning, you're trying to make a pizza. It's like, okay, I, I have the recipe. I have the ingredients. Then as you you become better and better at making the pizza, then you add different toppings and you cook it at a different in a different way. And you like you have your tips and your tricks. And it's like, oh, this is what I do to make it super crispy on the bottom. But in the beginning, you're just worried about making a pizza. It's like, I just need to make a pizza that's edible. Eventually, you can tack on and say, well, then self-awareness, right? Like, understanding yourself when you get triggered where does that come from okay why are you insecure around certain people but those are just layers of layers of layers of understanding but the big three i mean yeah self-belief self-worth and community those are unfortunately three of the biggest things that people deal with but also unfortunately it's it's three of the biggest things that many of us just don't we either don't look at or there's a lot of fear around those things. And that's why a lot of us stay stuck. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's the things that are the most important, again, are the things that are the hardest to try and conceptualize and understand and begin to try and figure out what am I going to do to fix this? The world is set up in a weird way, my friend. <laughs> 
Um, honestly, a lot, a lot of these questions are actually kind of just like, so there's like a thing on your profile that's just like listing a bunch of things, like, like a bunch of like one word concepts that are just okay. like, like, you know, easy to digest that are like essential to kind of being better. So I kind of took those and I was just like kind of wanting to look at your mindset on how those specifically on your, just your beliefs on those. So like, okay. um, I don't know, like what's your ideal mindset to achieve success, whether it be financial or otherwise? Oh man, failure is not only likely, it is necessary. And if you can understand, and this takes time, this is this is the mindset, it takes time and time and time. If you can understand that the failures are more valuable than the successes because the lessons are hidden in the failures, you are off to the races. That has been a huge understanding for me the mindset that failure is not final unless you quit and there are just a ton of lessons hidden in the pain that is a great mindset to have that's that's basically having a a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset so yeah that's my philosophy on that but the, the simplest philosophy is your mindset is the thing that it's your operating system really it determines whether or not you think you're the type of person that achieves the level of success that you want the mindset thing i know a lot of people they lessen it and say like, oh, you're a mindset coach or whatever it is. I know a lot of mindset coaches. It's like, no, that's really important work because at the end of the day, you said it earlier, the person you talk to the most is you. And that's your mindset. Your self-talk, that's a big piece of your mindset. So if you can work on that, that's usually the best place to start anyway. Yeah, it is weird that like there's a lot of things that I consume. Like there's like a, there's a, an audiobook that I have from like a Scottish guy and he made a joke where he was like, he was like, all of these people who make these health help books are always telling you change your mindset and doing whatever. And he's like, and then, and then he just says like, I'm far too Scottish to believe in that. <laughs> so on one hand, I, th I think it's funny to examine things like that because yeah, I agree. A lot of people who just tell you, you got to fix your mindset, bro. It's like sometimes while they are correct, I'm also like, you know, like you, can you give me like more tangible help? I do totally <laughs> like if you can combine your, your mindset and the way that you talk to yourself with being able to critically think and being able to accurately, um, take those things and make them a tangible fix or a tangible, something that can make you better. Like it is a good thing, but yeah. I do totally understand the idea of like mindset coaches are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a lot that are, I mean, that's where I started, right? For me, it was like, I didn't know. Number one, I didn't know what else to brand myself as. So I was like, well, I know about my, I feel like I know about mindset. Like I can coach on that, but it's just like anything else where the vast majority of real estate agents don't know that much about real estate and they're not successful. They don't, you know, I think there's like a stat that most of them sell like less than a, a home a year or something like that. So think of that, like everybody in any industry, there's always people who are really good. And there's always people that just get in the industry to get in the industry really. So it, I think it depends on the, depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. And that all makes sense. I also, it's like a little side thing. A lot of the people who I've talked to on about other miscellaneous things, one of their favorite things is just like, don't be like one, don't be afraid of failure. And two, embrace the fact that you're not going to be good at something the first time you try it and mm. like be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. It's, so. it's, it's crazy to think that you would be, you know, it's yeah. like, you'd have to be so, I mean, again, the first time I drove a car, I literally was like, I cannot believe humans do this consistently. This is the <laughs> hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And now it's, I don't even think about it anymore. It's like, I want to go to the gym. I have to drive there. That's it. That's the thought process. But yeah, most of us, here's the thing though. When you're young and you learn to ride a bike, 
I'm sure I fell off my bike a bunch of times, but when you're young, it doesn't matter because you don't really care about what other people think. Yep. And then eventually in life, it's like, oh, I don't, oh, what if those people see me do a header over the handlebars here in the park? It's not going to be a good look. It's like, well, you will learn for sure. Yeah. And depending on the community that you involve yourself in, not even just like a local community, but within like a community of people who do a specific thing, like bikers, mm-hmm. uh, people who go to skate parks and whatever, it's like, they're supportive. Like they're, yeah. they're okay with you being bad. And they're like, here, let me help you try and do better about this. So like, I think that's a lot of the thing that people forget is that like, if you're trying to get good at something, the community that you exist within is probably going to be there to help you be better without ostracizing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, so. well, there you go. Community again, that just keeps coming up. Just keeps coming <laughs> up, Dylan. Who would have guessed we live in a society. So, you know, <laughs> so people are always there to, to help you. Right. So that's fun. Um, honestly, at what point do you think the tipping point is between being like a confident person, confidence in yourself to be able to succeed, to be able to get into something, to do whatever. At what point do you teeter between that and overconfidence or just straight up being arrogant? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, when you're, I think arrogance is confidence without competence. So mm. I've had I've had many, many, many people tell me how to do a podcast. You'd be surprised, Dylan, at how many of those people have never done a podcast. You'd be surprised. <laughs> so, now I'm not I'm not saying they're arrogant, but it's almost the understanding of like, why should I take your advice though? As somebody who's never done what I do, why should I ever take that advice? But yeah, the simplest thing is I believe arrogance is heightened confidence without heightened competence. That I think that's probably the best example I could give um, because it's just, if you don't know what it's like to do something and your assumption is that I should do it a different way or somebody should do it a different way or you could do it better, I just need to see the competence. Now, here's the thing. If somebody came up to me and said, I could 1,000% slam dunk on that hoop even though I've never played basketball and then the next thing, they do is slam dunk. I don't think they're arrogant. I think they just hadn't practiced it yet. Right. Because yeah. it's not like they're not competent. They just didn't know they were. So yeah, that, I, I would say that's probably my best definition. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I think I've no one's ever asked me to describe what being arrogant means, but I think if anybody does, that's what I'm going to tell them now. Cause I think that makes sense. <laughs> Dylan, I'm going to ask you right now, what's the difference Dylan, in your opinion, between somebody being very confident and then maybe hinging over and crossing the the chasm into arrogance. Um, let me think. Honestly, I would probably say that obviously to be confident in something implies a certain level of like you have either done research on a thing or you have empirical evidence to suggest that you know what you're talking about because you've maybe done it yourself. Mm. And then to me, arrogance is basically just that, but cause, cause I, I don't necessarily think of arrogance as like, um, in your example, somebody who doesn't run a podcast trying to tell you how to run a podcast for me, arrogance feels like somebody who like the Dunning Kruger effect, somebody mm-hmm. who has gotten into something at least a little bit, um, and thinking that they just know everything. So I get, I guess it, it, it is a similar definition, but to me, it's like somebody who is vastly overestimating their ability to do something because they've done it just a little bit. Mm. Mm. Um, Makes sense. Makes sense. I always used to be mind blown when my grandmother watches baseball and she gets mad at these gentlemen who can't hit a 98 mile an hour fastball. She's like, <laughs> oh my God, how could you miss that? It's like, well, it's harder. It's probably harder than you think, Mima. You know, it's probably, <laughs> I don't, I don't really think that's, arrogant but like 
maybe it's not toxic arrogance, but I think that's a little bit arrogant. Yeah, right? like sometimes it is kind of funny, and I do see memes about it where somebody's like, uh, so they're watching a crime show, and they're like, "This person left their fingerprints on the on the on the door," which is how they got caught. And the person watching is like, yeah, "That stupid idiot!" As they're like <laughs> making a mess of themselves, like that's what I think of. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's similar. I one of the best things I do. I, so I still train martial arts. I train like by myself. I, I do kickboxing and I do bag work and all that stuff. Yeah. But you set a timer for five minutes because mixed martial arts rounds are five minutes and you go as hard as you can for five minutes. And the next time you watch a fight or you can do this with anything, you're going to have a new level of appreciation because it's very humbling to try to do what they do. And it just brings you into the reality of, yeah, no, they get tired because it's very tiring. That's why yeah. they're getting tired because it's very hard to do and they're professional athletes. It just kind of brings you back to the surface of humility. Yeah, exactly. So that, that makes sense. Um, somehow I accidentally ended up writing a duplicate question of sorts. No, so I, no I deleted sweat. that one and got this one up. Um, <laughs> what are considered limiting beliefs in your mind? Like there was one thing that you had said where you're like somebody who's just not confident in themselves at all, despite n no proof that they can't do anything. But outside of that, what do you think are considered like limiting beliefs? I usually say anytime something pops into your head where you say, I couldn't do this because it's almost like, what are your becauses? Because I'm not smart enough because I, you know, I didn't grow up in the right place because I'm too short because I'm, a not a, not a good enough speaker because of that. The and the only reason I say that is because here, there I there I go saying because, <laughs> <laughs> really set myself up for that one. When when you have a statement like that, you're almost seceding to the fact that you can't do it. It's almost like I can't do this, and here's the reasoning why. Then the second you become okay with that reasoning, now it's a limiting belief because it's stopping you from doing it. Yeah, that's that's probably what I would say. Like for me, I could never be a speaker because I didn't go to college and I never gave presentations. Well, that's not that's not doesn't mean I can't be a speaker. It just means I don't have the experience that somebody who went to college and gave a lot of presentations has. Yeah. So it, it's that it's it's almost like the excuses that we use. We have to try to try to find a way to lock them in. And we use limiting beliefs to do that. Yeah, it's it's the concept of like the moment you use because you are directly acknowledging what is causing you to be unable to do something, but not necessarily, I guess, having the 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 desire to actually go and do the thing. Because most of the time, if you're like, I can't do this because of X, it's like the Internet exists. You can figure out how to do X. Yeah. Well, it's like I couldn't get to work on time today because it's like, okay, is this, this is most likely going to be an excuse, right? Like that, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of that. Well, my dog ate my homework. Like, okay, did it really? Cause you don't have a dog. You have a pet fish. Yeah. You have a goldfish. I don't think your goldfish ate your homework. It is. It's, it's just a justification for sometimes it becomes a justification for lack of action. And again, when I say that, I'm not, uh, trust me, I've had some really good limiting beliefs. So I understand. <laughs> But oftentimes it was trying to keep me safe from my fears. That's why I didn't do the things. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, it is as simple as that. As soon as you, as soon as you said, I can't do this thing because, and I was like, oh, I know exactly what's about to go down here. I was like, I know exactly <laughs> where he's going with this. Well, and but, that it, that's it. That becomes the end. Yeah. So that's one of those things. It's like, um, that's where I guess, does that interact with knowing that you 
can't at least like I can't do this because of this. Can you switch gears and decide like, oh, maybe if I learn how to do this, then it will make me a happier person because learning X enables me to do this thing. Definitely. Having somebody around you to say why is huge. It's like I can't I could never be a speaker because I I didn't I wasn't a good speaker in high school. It's like, okay, well, why can't you be a good speaker now? Well, because I, you know, I never was good. It's like, okay, but no, no. Yeah. Why, why couldn't you be in five years from today? The, the, the answer is because you're not going to start. That's, yeah. that's the, that honest answer is because your limiting belief just facilitates the lack of action, which creates the lack of results, which then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you end up five years down the road saying, yeah, I, I just never could be a speaker because I didn't speak in high school. And it just stays with you forever. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a, one of my favorite quotes, probably my favorite quote ever is just don't look, don't look back, back and ask why look forward and ask why not, mm. or it's like, why not learn how to do this thing so that I can, you know, stop wallowing in the fact that I can't do it or something. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great quote. Very philosophical. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a very good quote. Um, I guess kind of the, this, the last question I would normally ask is this, is there any additional details that you wanted to give? But I was also kind of just interested in seeing like, uh, why did your manager decide to reach out to me? Like, what about my podcast was interesting enough that she was like, they were like, you know what, get them on here. <laughs> so our, our thought process behind that on our team is if there's somebody who seems like they're a positive person and they're doing good in the world, we're all about perpetuating that and trying to add value to it. So like I said, I don't, for me, I don't care about the number of downloads. We, we, there's a reason we don't ask, right? I don't, I don't care (laughs) for me. If you're somebody who's trying to do good in the world and you seem like you have a good vibe and you're positive, anything I can do to add value to that mission is something that is aligned for me. And that's kind of literally that's, that's the process that we go through. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I, I do appreciate you coming on and doing that because I mean, yeah, it was just it was just a, it was a good talk to kind of hear just what's going on. And one of my favorite things that I enjoy doing is looking at somebody who does something that I do on a more successful level and figuring out exactly like figuring out how they do things and not because I want to copy them, but just because I'm curious, like what make up the differences between how I do things on my show or my YouTube channel or whatever versus the other person. Of course. So, of course. Yeah, so it's always it's, good to see. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, uh, just, just because we're a little pressed for time here, I'm going to have to kind of, um, do a hard cut. There is really no, there's no way to bring it back down and come back into this, but, um, <laughs> uh, I guess, I don't know, like, just like, thank you so much for coming on here. It was a good time. Um, it helped me get up bright and early in the morning so I can get this taken care of. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of links that I'm going to punch in the description of this when it comes out, but I okay. kind of want to just hear where people can find you, any links you can provide. And if you could just give me those links so I can provide them, then we'll be setting on our way. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would just say uh, search next level university, the podcast. That's the best place to find me. It's on YouTube or on all the podcast platforms. Again, it's free. It's the best place to start and you'll learn about us. So you can kind of take it from there if you're interested in more. And then I can, I'll email you the, um, the, the rest of the, the links, Dylan. Cool. That sounds good. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of a wrap. That's where you can find him. The links will be all, all be in the description so I can keep things pretty easy and concise for you guys. Um, if anybody is interested in what I'm doing, which you came to my podcast for a reason, um, <laughs> uh, you can just look up DJ Serial Sauce on anything. YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, TikTok if you really wanted to. Twitch. Sometimes there's no spaces. Sometimes there are spaces. And sometimes there's underscores. Um, and if you can't find me, I probably don't exist on that platform. Go look at the links in the description once again. And um, uh, do better. <laughs> <laughs>